Hi, welcome to the Covenant Presbyterian Church podcast, a weekly broadcast of our Sunday sermon. I am Lee Campbell-Taylor, the interim pastor here, and Covenant Presbyterian Church is an open, affirming congregation, and we're so glad you found us. Our primary mission is to equip God's people to serve Christ in the world. In our weekly messages, we hope that you'll find inspiration, encouragement, and even challenge for your faith journey. Please listen with us now. Anyone who drives much in Atlanta has some version of this moment. The moment when the one wailing ambulance and the two impatient drivers and the loud speeding motorcycle and the silent rented scooter and the hurrying pedestrians and the angle of the sun all conspire to create a traffic disaster that is averted at the last possible moment. My most recent experience of that classic Atlanta moment occurred right up here at the light by Piedmont Hospital. The driver beside me and I had slammed on our brakes, bracing for the disaster that seemed unavoidable. And when everyone somehow made it through that intersection unscathed, I heard that other driver exclaim through our open car windows, Lord have mercy. In that moment, the phrase pretty much meant, whew. Its liturgical meaning, of course, is quite different. Earlier in this service, in our prayer of confession, we repeatedly asked God for mercy. We even sang, Oh Lord, have mercy. We call that song the Kyrie, short for Kyrie eleison, which is the Greek for, you guessed it, Lord have mercy. So in church, we tend to associate mercy with confession and forgiveness. But neither an exclamation of whew nor a prayer of confession is what we find in this morning's text from the Gospel of Mark. When Bartimaeus calls out, Son of David, Jesus, have mercy on me, he isn't asking Jesus' comment on a barely averted traffic disaster, nor is he asking Jesus for forgiveness. He is asking Jesus for what? Jesus' attention? assistance, loving care. It may have been unclear even to Jesus because he pointedly asks for clarification. What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man answers, my teacher, let me see again. Nothing suggests that Bartimaeus equates mercy with forgiveness. No, when Bartimaeus calls out, son of David, Jesus, have mercy on me, The man is praying a broader prayer. Let me tell you a tiny story. After a difficult COVID pregnancy came a premature birth, and the twins ended up in the neonatal intensive care unit, the NICU. Incubators kept them warm. Tubes ensure hydration and nutrition. Nurses provide round-the-clock care, monitors keep tabs on everything, and the exhausted parents visit. They take turns visiting every day, and a couple of times each week they meet at the hospital for lunch so that their twins will get to know them as a couple. When a lunchtime visit ends and the NICU nurse finishes updating them, the parents depart 
hand in hand. Outside, they say goodbye, one catching the bus back to work and one driving in the opposite direction, and eyes that feel always on the verge of tears close for a kiss. And then each parent whispers on behalf of the other as much as their twins, Lord, have mercy. It's a broader prayer. Back to our main story, Jesus and Bartimaeus. For such a short story, this passage is crafted to help us see the scene and care about its outcome. A blind beggar sitting by the road hears that this life-changing rabbi from Nazareth is passing nearby, and so the man starts shouting for mercy. The crowd, which Mark's gospel features so much that it's essentially a character in its own right, the crowd shushes Bartimaeus, but he persists. And Jesus, the text tells us, Jesus stood still. I love that. God incarnate, pausing, waiting, standing still to hear a beggar's request. Jesus stands still and tells the crowd to call the man forward. So their words instantly switch from hush up to hurry up, and Bartimaeus rushes to Jesus. Jesus asks what he wants, and Bartimaeus replies, and then Jesus tells him that his faith has made him well. As Jesus did back in chapter 5 with the woman who was healed just by touching his cloak, Jesus here ascribes the healing to faith. Faith is not caused by the healing. Rather, faith is the environment within which the healing occurs. As Jesus points out, that bleeding woman and this blind man are exhibiting the faithful belief that God's power can transform human life. And that is what Mark wants to communicate here. At this point, Mark no longer needs to demonstrate Jesus' healing abilities. That's already well established. Jesus has healed lots of people. And Mark doesn't need to demonstrate here Jesus' unique connection with the divine. In just the previous chapter, we've witnessed Jesus' mountaintop transfiguration, complete with the blessing from on high. And Mark doesn't need, at this point, to demonstrate Jesus' love for all. In the very next verse, Jesus heads into Jerusalem, heads to the cross. Now, what this short passage demonstrates is how God uses the power of faith. Faith, for Mark, has to do with trusting Jesus' ability to help. Totally different tiny story. It looked like a picture-perfect family. It was actually an abusive family. When the last door of their three-car garage closed for the evening, threat entered their house. Some evenings brought nothing worse than tense tiptoeing, but most evenings brought violence, and as firstborn, he was first in line. Until when he was 15, the focus shifted to his younger sister. And so he stuffed supplies into their school backpacks and the two hitchhiked until there was 300 miles behind them. A few fibs later, he had a job in fast food. 
He got his sister into the school, and he earned his GED. But with his sister's asthma medicine, minimum wage wasn't enough, and so he added landscaping. Juggling the two jobs made him late to both of them so often that he lost both jobs. And now, so hungry that his vision blurs, he stammers, Lord have mercy. It's a broader prayer. Back to our main story, Jesus and Bartimaeus. Throughout this gospel, and certainly in this story, Mark highlights faith in God's power to answer prayer, faith in the power of God's mercy to transform lives. In Mark, such transformations, healings, are accomplished through the tool of human faith. Mark's gospel tells us of God healing by means of human faith, using our faith and the person of Jesus Christ to heal those in need. So, church, we can contribute to, we can participate in God's mercy. God's mercy can gather up our faith and empower it to help heal the world. Remember, we are now God's hands and feet and voice in the world. We are now the body of Christ. We are called to continue Jesus' earthly mission of healing, transforming. Through our faith, God may answer the prayer, have mercy. One more tiny story. Working as a translator for American forces in Afghanistan made him, along with his wife and child, a target of the Taliban. It was harrowing, but the three have finally completed the journey to Atlanta, a city they'd heard of only during the 1996 Olympic Games. A local church sponsors them. There's a small apartment which the congregation has furnished with a sofa and a recliner, two lamps that match and two lamps that don't match, two gently used suites of bedroom furniture, and a kitchen table with an assortment of chairs. There are curtains in the windows, dishes in the cupboard, food in the fridge. There's a school just a few blocks away and a grocery store not much farther beyond that. So when the church invites the family to worship, and the translator hears the congregation pray together, Lord, have mercy. The translator smiles and says out loud, yes, oh yes. It's a broader prayer. And so a final look at our main story, Jesus and Bartimaeus. Mark's story presents an invitation for us to offer our faith as a way to participate in God's ongoing response to the cry for mercy. Do we accept that invitation? Do we have the faith to live our faith? From earlier in today's worship service, do we have the faith to believe God's power to forgive? From later in today's worship service, do we have faith in God's power to intercede in the lives of loved ones and of strangers? And as stewardship season calls forth our gratitude and our generosity, 
Do we have faith in God's power to take our financial offerings and use this body of Christ to do God's ongoing work of mercy in this world that God so loves? As today's tiny stories remind us, there is so much need, so many different needs. So church, as we launch the stewardship season that will fund this congregation's ministries for 2022, I give thanks that by using our faith, God is offering mercy through Covenant's participation in Laganov Haiti Partnership and Lost and Found Youth. Using our faith, God feeds people through Covenant's little food pantry out front, as well as through our contributions to in-town collaborative ministries and the Central Night Shelter. Using our faith, God lifts up people through Covenant's welcome of Gigi's Playhouse. Using our faith, God shelters people through Covenant's ongoing support of Habitat for Humanity. The list goes on, but the point is that God answers countless prayers for mercy through our gifts of time and talent and treasure. Stewardship asks us to declare our faith via our pledge. That's what a pledge is. Your pledge is an expression of faith that God is doing a new thing. Your pledge is the faith that God will use our faith as manifested in the form of money God will use that expression of our faith to transform lives and to continue healing the world. When I think of that, all I can say is, Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy indeed. Thanks for listening to the Covenant Presbyterian Church podcast. I invite you to visit our website, covpresatl.org, that's C-O-V-P-R-E-S-A-T-L.org. There you'll find current worship information, links to our live Sunday morning streaming service, and our full archive of recorded services. You'll also find out more about us and how to get in touch. I wish you well in these strange times. God is with us. Grace and peace to you.